your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, as always, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, we're going to get into some stuff here today, you know, a little bit stuffy, you know, maybe away from football itself or whatever, you know, a couple things in that genre. We do have some listener questions, some other stuff we want to get to. Um, always remember, guys, whether it's, you know, Google Play, uh, you know, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is you use. Also, maybe if you're looking for something, check out the Himalaya podcasting app. New to, new to the game, but uh, so far, the reviews are very good. Uh, always get in your car, walk in the house, you know, use your voice command of play Locked on Browns, have the latest podcast brought up for you. Um, I'm just going to continue roll along here. Um, guys, within three weeks, pretty much I'd say probably about this time, Pete, the NFL draft will be done, gone, in the books. Uh, then it's you know all about you know, more momentum as you you know finish some you know rookie camps and stuff like that and head towards training camp. And well, we'll you know, that's when we'll find out you know, exactly whether or not the hype is warranted. Obviously, I've seen the ball gets rolling that way. Which brings us, Pete Smith, to our first talking point tonight. Um... He just continues to claw and claw away, whether it's Baker, which now he just looks like a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. Sorry to open it up that way, but he just does because that just was doomed to fail. Baker's not a team player. Meanwhile, guys are scoring touchdowns. There's Baker pretending to be a photographer as somebody walks down the runway. Uh, not a team player. So that one's been blown to myth. And now it's the Odell stuff. And look, even if Odell Beckham in his heart would have loved to stay with the New York Giants, the New York Giants drafted second last season. The New York Giants are drafting sixth in this draft. Odell Beckham, even if he enjoyed being in New York and as an athlete, I don't understand why you wouldn't. The guy's not dumb. And with Eli Manning still remaining to be the quarterback, you don't see it changing or getting any better anytime soon. So Colin Coward with the forever continuous, you know, kicks and digs at the Cleveland Browns. It, you know, look, I mean, to the point now, yeah, I'm blocked, but I, I mean, I see so, I mean, I'm sorry, I blocked him. I see so much of it from you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the the perturb of it and the annoying of it, but I mean, you know, I don't listen to the guy, but it's, yeah, I see, your, see, see and hear of so much of it, Twitter, third-hand and fourth-hand. Yeah, I can understand how it's frustrating and annoying as hell. Uh, so the only reason this is a story is because people pay attention to it. Uh, look, Colin Cowherd's gimmick is pretty simple. You're going to pick, you know, an issue that has two sides, two very obvious sides. And, you know, whatever whatever side is fired up enough is going to hopefully fire back at him. And the reason he keeps going to Cleveland is because it works Um, for, you know, a fan base that, you know, prides itself on being loyal and all these other things. They are very sensitive and they bite back very hard on these type of things. Um you get somebody on the a radio questioning, you know, their team, how their loyal stars. they are, <laughs> whatever they, you know, whatever. Uh, they're gonna get a bunch of responses, and that's entirely what he wants. Uh, and in this case, the other reason he's gonna do this is because Baker Mayfield will respond. Um, you know, to the point where he got him in studio, even though Baker Mayfield basically took him apart, it was still good for him. Uh, in this. He got Baker Mayfield to clap back, and you know, Colin Cowherd looks like a fool, but it gets him more listeners because now the Cleveland fans are going to listen and pay attention to what he's saying, which is good for him. Um, to me, if you know, it's a nothing story to the standpoint of 
let's say it's a let's say it's a a fifteen percent chance of being right. Um, that's enough. Where if he's right, he can be you know he can pound on this forever and say, oh, I'm I'm so smart. Look at all these things. Blah blah blah. And if he's wrong, it's going to be so for you know the Cleveland fans are probably going to let him know for a while, but he'll move on to something else. And you know that's that's the game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this ultimately ends up with Baker Mayfield going on his show in some other capacity. Hopefully, it doesn't because I don't think it's worth uh, worth it in this case. But um, this is sort of what happens. I mean, you know, you deal with this type of stuff and you see it and you just don't pay attention to it. The only reason we're talking about it is because we got asked about it. Um, it but to me, it's it's on the same level as when uh, Odell Beckham went, you know, off social media for like three days 70, and, 72 and, people, hours. and people were trying to make that into a story. It's not a big deal. And, and, you know, the, the part of what this is doing and, and, and from Colin Cowherd, it makes a ton of sense to go this route. You have a, a, a head coach who he doesn't know, uh, isn't proven in his eyes. And You've certainly got, is not going to sit down on a show and talk with him about his product. Right. You've got ownership, which is very easy to bet against. I mean, that's who wouldn't, um, given what you've seen the past, however many years. And, you know, you're basically saying that Cleveland is going to find the banana peel. And generally, that's been a good bet. Now, so far, every time Cowherd's bet against Baker Mayfield, it has gone poorly. Um, I don't see that changing, but I totally understand it from his standpoint. But uh, to me, it's just it's noise in the offseason in a time where you're trying to fill uh, space. Uh, you know, this is a bad window of sports because once the final four is over, um, which hasn't, you know, is, is a big deal from the standpoint of those games happening. Uh, but after that, you're basically waiting until the NFL draft happens. You're talking about rumors involving the NFL draft and you're hoping that, uh, you know, you get to an area of sport. I mean, uh, the early part of baseball is just not something that national uh, shows talk about with specifics unless there's something specifically going on an injury you know one particular player who's a star yeah i mean there's just no you're not gonna go you're you're not gonna get there in there and start breaking down the dodgers lineup you know that so you need to fill airtime and i was he a three-hour show i assume and you know this is how it happens and you hit on one you you try 10 of these a day you hit on one vein and you've got show show material for you know, weeks in this case, or in this case, months, because the other part of this is you plant this seed on, say, the first week of April. They can't prove him. They can only prove him right until the season starts. Uh, so it, it's it's just a it's entirely a calculated business decision. Um, well, first things first, uh, Pete, my Mets had a three run rally in the eighth today to pull out a six five victory. So you can break these things down if you want to. Sure. Um, and and I, I look forward to, you know, in about three more weeks when. The NFL draft is concluded, and the Mets are already out of contention. You're already talking about next season. Oh, yeah. That's kind of the way it went last spring, wasn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> what was it? You guys went like went – like, They went like 10-1 out the box. Yeah, that completely fell apart. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, well, we'll see. You know, maybe this, you know, maybe we'll actually get to a summer, summer day here. The best story about the Mets right now is like DeGrom's various like grievances with not even the team, but things going on around that are out of their control. Yeah, well, he got his money and, uh, you know, uh, he's just really damn good. And then Homer the other night, Jack McMurray, I'm talking to you. Yeah, Jacob DeGrom, he's pretty good, the guy. Just busting some tops, just busting some good. But yeah, uh, look, it's. If everybody's going to swing left, I'm going to swing right. Whether I look right or you know, whether um, right or wrong, whether I truly believe it. But uh, you know, if I'm singing the praises of the same product that everybody else is singing the praises of, and guys, I'll give you an example here. It goes on with this show, and it goes on with my buddy Pete. Um, everybody will keep wanting come. I mean, guys, Pete's not going to change, and I'm sure none of you guys are going to change. Um, there is that lightning rod topic of you know Jarvis Landry. Pete feels differently. I feel closer to Pete's side than I do the rest of you. For me, it's he's not worth the money he's being paid. But that's this is simple. But I mean, this is why it, it's still a talking point now, and it continues to go on because to a lot of people, you know, and look, and, and if you you know for, for the Browns fans, I, I get it. I mean, ride or die for every guy in the team. I, I get it. But to think it's you know. In per, if they think it's perfect after seven eight and one, it's not yet. Um, also, you know, coward and like Pete said, you know, whether it's you know the banana, the banana in the tailpipe, count on something. Cleveland and Pete, I remember this two years ago when we were doing, uh, we were covering the first round of the draft with Bill Carroll and the guys, and Miles Garrett was the pick, and me and you almost said it simultaneously. They didn't Cleveland it. Like you know, they 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 went. They took the dude, the, the headliner, the main attraction of it all. And you know, if you do want to give that some credence, that was party a starty of the change of the guard. But there's that. You want to know what? It's never, ever, 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 ever gone right. So if the money's really, really good for it not to go right, and I only got you know, I mean, he's betting on a long, long shot that it won't work out, that they won't win the AFC North. Where this leaves him in the cold is. If the Browns do go twelve and four, thirteen and three, win the AFC North, he he, he, oh, he what does he do? I mean, he's gonna either a have to you know put his you know foot in his mouth. He's not gonna get anybody from the Cleveland. Oh, Baker Mayfield, you know you just were second in the you know you got to buy in the playoffs. You finished second in the MVP voting. We'd love to have that on the show. Middle finger, nah, not happening. Uh, so it's I mean I, I get it from the the show standpoint of it and. You get this, I mean, you know, with Mike Francesa, one of the greatest, I mean, the Jets sent him a New Jersey. Ah, thanks for the New Jersey. Get some good players. I mean, that was this, I mean, like, like they just, like, they're just, guys in that position are always going to just continue to beat on the dog because they don't know any different. And look, for Francesa, it's worked out really well. He's been on the Jets and Mets for ages now. And, you know, he's got to be going into damn near closest 30th year of doing, you know, Full day sports talk radio here in New York. So, I mean, that important it is what it is. But, guys, if you don't want to deal with it anymore, just everybody block him. Everybody, just block him. This he's not going to stop with the shtick. And the more the reaction comes, and you know, for me, I, I love Baker calling him out. I, I get it. I mean, it, you know, it, it it does get annoying. It gets annoying because it just fuels cowards cowards fire more, where it's just going to continue to go. But you know, I, I understand Baker. Feeling that he's got to stick up for everybody, which I I, I 110% get. But guys, just if to pay it no lip service is the best opportunity 
for it to die. iTunes, rating reviews, guys. Uh, drop a five-star written review over there. Um, you guys have been fantastic about that. As we're you know putting together you know just another great month. I mean, just you guys are really enjoying the product. It means a lot because you know we're putting a lot of effort and, and work here in uh, getting this out to you every single day. So iTunes rating reviews, take care of that for you guys. All right, Pete. I think you've hit on every prospect on your board, but this was interesting. Is there a guy or two we maybe maybe have omitted somewhere in all of this? Well, probably. It's just by virtue of the fact that there are certain positions we, we, we don't give a shit about as far as the Browns are concerned. Um, that is true. I mean, like, there are some... Okay, I'll give you an example. Um... Chidi Okeke from Tennessee State is an offensive tackle prospect who's in the draft. Um, he started at LSU, Nigerian kid. That's always a plus for me. Um, Pete does his digging. Um, he's, I, I think on it, yeah, he's got the size to be a tackle. I think he's more of a guard. I think he's a guy that uh, you draft him and you have the similar attitude you do with Austin Corbett. You're saying we'll give this guy a shot at tackle, but. More than likely, he'll you know he'll end up on the interior somewhere. He, his his explosion, his his strength is there. He just doesn't do it in terms of agility for me. Um, if you try the, the offensive tackles, I went through a bunch of them today. A lot of them are really the, a lot of the athletic ones are really really raw projects. Um, you know, one guy who's going to be a big deal, you know, for some people as a sleeper type. Uh, it's already come out a little bit. Is is Yasuo Nijman uh, for Virginia Tech, who's you know almost six seven, three hundred and twenty four pounds, uh, ran a four eight three forty, um, and a one hundred fourteen inch broad jump, which is crazy for that size. Uh, didn't do a vertical. His agility's, his three cone is iffy. His shuttle is fine, uh, and if you watch him on tape. His strength is outstanding. He doesn't get moved, but he doesn't know what he's doing either. And there's a lot to deal with in terms of certain things, uh, how he gets into his pass sets, how he kicks out of his stance initially, you know, transitioning his weight properly. But he's going to be a guy offensive line coaches drool over, and it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, He's only played on the right side, I think. So, you know, Somebody will take him. Somebody will take him very high and see what they can get out of him. He may be more like two years away as opposed to a year away, uh, but he's at least interesting. Justin School from, I guess that's how you pronounce it, from Vanderbilt. Of the other guys I was watching that are sort of athletic, under, uh, underrated guys who may or may not get drafted, he's interesting. My biggest issue, he's got all the athletic traits you want. Uh, my biggest issue with him is he opens the door way too much in terms of pass blocking. Uh, but he's interesting. He's powerful off the snap. Um, but, I mean, like a lot of those those type of sleepers are, you know, may not, some of those guys theoretically may not even get drafted. Uh, but if they do, it's going to be late. And, and theor- you know, they could be of interest to camp in because they are athletic prospects that could um, be, be pretty good. Uh, if you want a skill player guy – uh, Poppy White from Ohio. You like you just love saying that name. I, I hear you get a little excited when you say it. It's a good it's a good name. Um, for but uh, you know, if you like the Andy Isabels, if you like the uh, Penny Hearts, if you like those small guys who can play outside and inside, 
Poppy White has all the athletic traits to do that. He's thick like those other guys, 188 pounds, a little under six foot. Um, and he's really fast. He's uh, explosive going down the field. And he was crazy productive at Ohio. Uh, you know, he had a, a couple big years with them. But this past year – or I'm sorry, he's 5'8 he's and change. Uh, this past year, though, he had a 36.4% uh, receiving market share. But, you know, he's got agility, vertical explosion, all that stuff. So if you like one of those guys but maybe you want to wait a little bit, uh, I think he, he – I don't know if he'll get drafted. If he does, it'll probably be day three. Uh, but he could be sort of an under-the-radar guy in terms of those things. And I guess staying with Ohio, A.J. Oubliette, the tailback, is another one that's pretty good. Uh, 5'9 and change, 208. It has all the athleticism you want, 4'5 speed, good agility, all that stuff. And he had, you know, 25% of Ohio's total offense, which is great. 1,518 total yards, a little, little, uh, little bit of a mix with – he had uh, 212 yards receiving, 1,306 yards rushing, and 14 total touchdowns. So, you know, and this, this is largely a product, again, of these numbers becoming so difficult to get um, this year and the frustration with that. But, the, you know, there are guys that are interesting out there. Uh, I did all offensive guys. One defensive guy, Dante Hibbert uh, from Abilene Christian. Um, his tape is okay. He's a nose tackle through and through, 6'1", 334. Uh, but he's, you know, 5'2", 240 is very impressive. I don't have a broad jump for him, but he's interesting. Uh, was reasonably productive for them. Uh, he's just a big big body if you want that type of guy i don't know if the browns are really in the market for that that type of nose that's a true two gapper but uh if they want a guy that may be available you know after the draft um that they can bring in as a body you know that certainly fits in there and and we talked about him yesterday but uh jt hassel from florida tech the safety um he's interesting i i hadn't heard of him until you know it came up that the browns were having him for for visit but you know really really fast uh, explosive at the very least would be a missile on special teams, but certainly somebody who looks like it could be a little bit more than that with some development. Uh, and you know that I mean when you're getting in where they're going to be with you know three in round five, obviously a six and a seven, you dig. I mean you you're digging for gold at that point because at least bringing a guy hopefully with an athletic profile that you can feel confident enough in, as opposed to the guy that just does not meet the athletic uh, the athletic march, the size march, whatever in. It's great that you put together a great college career, but you know that may be the end of the line. I'm sure we brought him up at some point on the show. Uh, Jordan Brown, cornerback out of South Dakota State, uh, six feet, legit six feet, 200 pounds, uh, four or five. But the jumps were impressive. Uh, a vert of 39 and change, um, 128 in the broad. Uh, you know, these North Dakota, South Dakota schools—they're you know—they're like you know—they're thought of very highly now. Uh, you know, the players have been coming out of these schools. And every year, you know, the Dane Bruglers of the world, they have their people who are down there and say, all right, well, this is the next one. Uh, and Jordan Brown, I mean, legit, you know, a 4 5 one, I mean, you know, our guy Justin Lane ran 4-5 flat, so, you know, that's nothing to poo-poo about. He wouldn't have to come into a starting role right away um, if it's somebody you could get on day three and eventually turns into your second, your third cornerback. It's an absolute win, steal of a draft choice. Doesn't mind getting his nose dirty, can play zone, can play man. Uh, obviously just needs time 
with the big boys, the bigger competition, which anybody anybody coming into this Brown secondary as a rookie should get all of that in spades in camp, and in in you know, obviously you know in that format, these guys are going to get tested. Uh, Odell Beckham, I mean, a lot of established, I mean, some established guys who know how to run routes. Callow is a headache. Uh, Higgins a headache. Jarvis Landry knows how to run his routes. You know, so a guy like Jordan Brown would be very, very interesting. I, you know, this cornerback class is going to be very weird the way it goes. Uh, Dane Bru uh, Dane Bruegel actually brought up the tweet today that it, I forget what year it was, but it's been well over a decade that a cornerback did not go before pick twenty five. But he said he thinks it's a good chance it can happen this year. Hey, if that's a chance, I mean, that's good for the Browns. If you want a cornerback, that's good. It, it, it seems like there could be. A multiple of decent options at the quarterback position of 49, which is what you're hoping for. But a guy like Jordan Brown on day three, I think he brings the athletic profile, the size, everything you're looking for. That could potentially be a guy to be a part of this secondary going further. Um, and I guess we'll go from here. This was one of the listener questions. We'll get to this before I put in the next break. Um, uh, Kent Plotty, obviously. Um, guys, he was on very, very early in the show. He was on the week of, in, in 17, he was on the week of Lions-Browns. And we talked about his, you know, uh, relative relative athletic scores, right, Pete? That's what it stands for? Yeah. Yes. Uh, in, look, very similar to uh, uh, Pete and I's buddy, Jim, James, Co James Coburn, who does – he does it more, though. He'll do, obviously, you know, he'll do tape, production, all, all that market sharing. But, you know, they wanted some thoughts on, on Kent and his process. And it's it's a great tool. And but look for anybody. Look, I don't care if we got to pay twenty five, thirty bucks. Can somebody get us these freaking pro day numbers? Yeah, uh, there's rumors that that's what draft scouts going to turn into. I understand. I mean, I understand where it's leaning towards. Then let, let's go already. Well, that's my my issue is is, is is does it come with the the time machine that gets me back to when I could actually really use these numbers. Because we're getting to a point where, yeah, it'd be nice to have him, but at the same time, it's almost too late yep. uh, to, to really matter, at least for this year. And maybe that's what they want to do for next year. I don't know. Uh, the RAS system. The RAS system is fine. Um, I don't use it for the athletic traits other than – or for his, like, calculation other than – I guess you can say it's for uh, – just to see where things work – Everything the is uh, the numbers are there. The tools yes, are there. Everything that's you, the big thing is, yes. is athletic testing numbers are there. The thing that his thing does not account for, and I don't know if that's something he plans to deal with at some point, is it doesn't account for speed and agility and those things relative to weight. Um, so, if you are a two hundred, you know, defensive, you know, let's use defensive end. If you're two hundred ninety pound defensive end, uh, your numbers for how fast you run aren't relative to other 290 pound defensive ends are relative to all defensive ends. Um, yes. it, you know, in, the same would be if you're 235 pound defensive end, your, those numbers are being compared direct directly to each other. So while the, the, the score is perfectly fine and it's not like, you know, it's bad or anything. Um, I, I would say that there are times when there are scores that are really high that I don't really agree with you know, re relative to, you know, it's not like to say they're bad or anything. Just I don't I don't have as much faith in that you know number by virtue of the fact that you know a you know a two hundred and eighty pound offensive lineman tests great across the board. It's going to basically give you a slight ding for the weight, and then everything else is going to be great. Whereas if you have like a three hundred and thirty pound offensive lineman who is 
great in the weight category, but his his numbers aren't great as good uh, across the board as the other guys. It won't reflect highly on the three hundred, you know, that bigger offensive lineman. But when you consider the weight involved, it may be actually, you know, more than sufficient for at least what I'm looking for. Uh, but it could actually be a better score overall in terms of how you want to do it. So, you know, and, and this basically comes down to if, you know, if, if let's use corners, for example, if, if two guys run four, four fours, four, four is a great, great speed number. Um, but if one guy's doing it at 210 pounds and the other guy's doing it at a buck 75, there's far more inherent value in that four, four from the 210 pound guy. doesn't mean that the 170 pound guy is bad. It's just, that wows you because you're physically moving 210 pounds that fast. Um, and that has to count for something. And certainly, you know, if you're, if you're talking about what they can sort of bring or, you know, when they hit or whatever, they're, you're hitting with 210 pounds as opposed to 175 pounds or whatever. So that's, um, a small issue with it overall. I think it's great. Um, I, I love the work he's doing of Vecti's, you know, it's a great way. One of, you know, these places that's great in the fact that it's finding all these ways to compile data. And the thing that I, I really like about what Kent's doing is players are buying into it. Uh-huh. Like what you're starting to see, I don't know if it, uh, it really feels like this year is new and maybe it's just because Kent hasn't been uh, publicizing them as much, but you're seeing a lot of prospects. Uh, retweeting you're seeing, retweeting a, yeah. A, yeah, you're seeing a lot of quote tweet prospects that he's retweeting that are basically looking at his RS score and going, "Wow, look at this." Where agencies are picking up on them and yep. saying, "Wow, check out the, our client relative to this." So, in that standpoint, it's great. And what I'm hoping happens is that they're not, you know, the, the agents and, and to be sure, there is some, you know, there there's some shadiness that could come in that if you're just getting numbers from agents. Uh, because they could essentially juice numbers. But, but he actually, he does a good job with that. He says, look, this is the closest I've got. I'll call it an unofficial number, but he tries to at least finish the product the best of his ability. And the thing is, if he gets something he believes in more, he will go back and change it. Sure, and and the other part of that is, you know, he's also, you know, very skeptical of certain campuses, LSU, Iowa, Virginia Tech. Um, 37-yard 40s. <laughs> or Penn State, uh, you know, the famous story of uh, Gil Brandt Asked uh, asked Paterno if he could put a uh, a ball a tennis ball down on the tra- uh, the track to see which way it would, uh, would go, uh, and uh, allegedly Paterno told him to get the hell out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, what what would be absolutely great is if you know because of the success he's having, which all, I'm all for, I'm rooting for it. That if it, it means that we're going to get numbers faster. Uh, to get out there, that would be fantastic, and that would be great for everybody. So, yeah. I, you know, some small disagreements with the numbers, uh, and I and I don't know. Again, he may be working on this and trying to incorporate it, but in general, it's fantastic in terms of a, it's a way to look at these things and give people an idea of what things mean, and b, it's great that players are and 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 agents and all those things are buying into it. And I would not be surprised if 
you see maybe maybe there's a team out there that when they you know they draft when they put tweet stuff about a pick they get if you don't see that or beat writers or whatever using this especially beat writers because they don't know anything uh as it, when they try to find anything they can find on this guy they can go oh look at this this is the thing i can put it'll look great that type of thing and you'll you'll see this grow and grow um, well, and first things first, uh, you know, uh, Kent is a family man. He's got young children. Just so to see him put out something that seems to be embraced, and he's had he's had a hell hell of a run through this draft cycle. I believe, you know, I, I think he's you know up over three thousand follows, you know, as for, on Twitter, on social media through all of this process, which is good for him. Um, and I guess for us, Pete, I mean, I guess the prime example would be basing all of these things uh, on the player specifically. You know, for us, you know, what did the combine kind of do for us? The combine did for us, we ended up just assuring ourselves of how good Justin Lane was. You know, with a 4-5 flat, you know, in the bigger names, obviously, were DeAndre Baker, they were Byron Murphy, they were Greedy Williams, and he ran, you know, if I'm pretty sure he ran better than all of them. So now you add in the six foot two, you add in the extremely long wingspan, and the fact that he's younger, newer to the position, just kind of affirmed for us. And, look, guys, even... Even if you don't want to look at the grade and say, oh, it's a 9.8, he's got the numbers, which is a nice, useful tool. And me and Pete have always told you, it's the tape. It's the size. It's the measurements. It is the athletic profile. You want a nice mesh and concept of all the three. Uh, Jim Custard, thank you for that question. That was a good one. And he, there, was a B, there was an A to this B, so we'll, we'll do this one before I go to the break. Um, Mike Edwards from Kentucky, Pete. He wanted some thoughts. Uh, if I remember, if memory serves, he, he bombed the, uh, testing process. Uh, uh yes. So yeah, yeah you'll have that. He had the, he had the better tape and then, uh, the cornerback ended up with the better test numbers. Uh, well, I mean, Kentucky to their credit has three defensive backs in this draft class. Uh, Mike Edwards. Um, I, I, I think if you, let me see if I can dig him up real quick. But if, 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 if I'm right, and I think I am, that his testing, the way he sort of bombed it, it was it was in the 40, similar to the way uh, Taylor wrapped it at yep. Washington, in that I think, I'm looking this up as we go, uh, that that was really the only test where he had a real problem. Uh, he doesn't even have it on here. I was going to say, if that's the case and it's just one bad test, uh, you could sort of look at him and say, well, he's a box safety because you don't want him chasing things down from behind uh, because that's not a good uh, option. He, he does have reasonably – I mean, his 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 uh, tackles are fine. Let's see. Interceptions. Interceptions are fine for strong safety. So he's, he's good on production. It's a question of the athletic – uh, if you're comfortable with his athleticism. But, yeah, I mean, Kentucky having a, a hell of a year in the draft. They've got uh, Mike Edwards at safety, Lonnie Johnson uh, as one of the corners who's who tested out of, out of his mind. Uh, I don't think the tape is there to support it, but he's going to go fast. He's going to go early because that tends to be what happens. And then Derek Beatty is the other, other corner uh, who I don't think had enough tackles to his credit. Um, but he had an obscene number of pass deflections. Uh, in fact, I, he may have led the country. He had 
Yeah, I know he's. I know he already had an official visit with the Patriots too. So it, you know, if Bill Belichick likes the activity, most likely everybody else is watching too. Well, he only had seven this year. I think last year he had some obscene number, like twenty-one or something like that, uh, of of pass breakups or something along those lines. So they've got a lot of them. Uh, you know, Mike Ed- Mike Edwards. My issue with Mike Edwards is even if you like him, uh, he is redundant with the recent signing of yep. uh, of of Morgan Burnett. You know, and again, I'm looking at this as I want somebody who can go and make plays on the football. And I don't know if Mike Edwards is that guy. Um, That's worth so, it. So, I mean, we've established our big keys there. The right? other, we well, the other, the other, the issue, and, and you know, the other other issue that's hurting him is it's just a really, really, really good safety class. Um, that's going to work against him. There are just a ton of them. Uh, you know, and that's. I mean, certainly edge rusher and pass rushers, even though those have sort of fallen off for me, um, is going to be regarded as the best position in the class. But I think safety, if you combine the two um, into one group, I think that's got a really, really good argument is the best overall position in this class, uh, which may benefit teams from a few few standpoints, particularly the Browns. Um, Safeties tend to go later than they should, especially strong safeties. Um, and then if there's a, a huge supply of them, that might even have some of these guys go a little bit later than that, which would be great for the Browns. <laughs> if, if, if like, you know, somehow, some way they get Justin Lane and then want to move up and get a guy or, you know, it may ensure that somebody like, uh, you know, Juan Thornhill or, or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or somebody that they really want falls to 49 to make sure they can get him. Uh, and which would be the, the dream scenario because, as, as we mentioned last night, guys, you have – three safeties who essentially are on one-year deals, um, and you'd like to have some sort of future at the position. Uh, remember, to get this show every day, subscribe to Locked On Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app in an ever-expanding uh, ever podcast world. You need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Browns. All right, next one we got here, and this would be from at J. Rajbot. Okay. Uh, the Browns have done a lot to make this draft about picking the best player available at 49. I do agree with that. If just if Jeffrey Simmons is available at 49, uh, Pete, we've been saying this one for months, um, and obviously it was never really an option. I mean, he was a lot of talk at 17. Then, obviously, the ACL. If he's available at 49, yeah. I don't see any way he is not the selection. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say it's a lock, but it's in the mix. Uh, but, yes, it, it, the first the first part of the question is that is John Dorsey's goal. That was John Dorsey's goal last year is to to get to the draft with as few needs as possible so he can operate from a position of strength and not feel he, like he's forced into anything. Um, I would question if Morgan Burnett really actually does that, but – that's neither here nor there. The goal here is to make it so at 49th pick or at 80th pick or whatever pick, they can take the best guy for the for them at any given spot. Um, I don't think that makes Jeffrey Simmons more likely. I don't think it makes Jeffrey Simmons any less likely. I just think he's sort of there, and they're either going to love him or they aren't. Um, and they're at least sending the message that they love this guy. Uh, they, who knows if that's really a smokescreen because – 
you know, even before the ACL, you had people coming out. Well, they're picking they're picking Jeffrey Simmons at 17 or whatever if he gets that far. He's the pick. I think Tony Pauline at one point came out, and that was in, like, yep. January. Um, Pre-senior bowl, that was, I want to say, yeah. So maybe that's, that's going to be. We don't know what Sheldon Richardson did to that, which is a possibility as well. Sure. Um, you know, it, it, it's unclear what what they really think and what they really want people to think. The Browns um, have shown a lot of interest, or at least Jeffrey Simmons has been quite a bit of a topic. Um, last year, um, Baker Mayfield wasn't a topic ever, really. I mean, they talked about him as so much as they were addressed, but it wasn't like you know they did anything to make him stand out, and they were more than happy to allow the talk to be Darnold and Josh Allen and ultimately took Baker Mayfield when nobody saw it coming, really. I mean, we all thought, I certainly thought when that, that, that uh, it was going to be Darnold uh, when it finally came, you know, when push finally came to shove and they went with uh, Baker Mayfield, then that was great. So it's theoretically possible that this is one big smoke screen. It's also possible that they love him and have no problem with anyone believe uh, anyone putting them on that. But it, it, as long as I mean they can sort of use it almost as a weapon, in the sense that they can you know if if everybody's just basically putting them on Jeffrey Simmons Jeffrey Simmons Jeffrey Simmons it's basically covering for the, any interest in you know other guys like whether it's Justin Lane Juan Thornhill whatever that they can feel free to maneuver and get the guy they want um, that becomes an interesting storyline and if it gets to forty nine and they take him. Nobody will be surprised, uh, but we, we shall see if it happens. I still think the team that's absolutely perfect to take him yep. is sitting right in front of the Browns, which is the Miami Dolphins, and I'll be curious to see if they're willing to go that route uh, and, and basically make it so that, that's not even a, a choice. Certainly that is my preference. I Again, with everything with Jeffrey Simmons off the field and then on the field uh, with the medical, it scares the hell out of me. I wouldn't do it. I, I don't think he's the best player available with everything – included um i think the best player available is going to be a db uh so and you know with the potential exception of you know a zach allen or somebody like that could be in the mix but uh, at this point I'm, I'm confident the best player available will be a defensive back uh, well there's three ways to look at simmons um the incident i'm not going to go any further than this you all guys know how pete and i feel about guys like this so there is that uh on tape jeffrey simmons is damn good football player, and no doubt, if he had not torn his ACL, would have been a top 20 selection. Don't even question it. He would have gotten that high. Uh, you know, a, a, There's a lot of GMs in front offices that like to pretend they're high and, high and mighty. At the end of the day, it's their ass on the line. So, Jeffrey Simmons would have gotten the top 20 selections. Um, the other possibility is, do I think he could possibly fall to 49? Like Pete said, Miami. And there's some other teams. Like, if you're the New York Giants, how does he not fit for yeah, you? What, what are you waiting for? I mean, the only reason you don't pick him at 49 is because you're basically saying, if you're Dave Gettleman, well, shit, I'm not even going to be here to see him play, so I might as well pick somebody else. That, well, uh, there is that. But, I mean, if you're the Giants, I mean, I mean, you can afford to wait on the guy. Uh, you know, you're going anywhere this year. Um, well, whether or not he has two years, obviously, that's a different story. Um, but the third for me, though, is even if he was available, it, it, I... I I, I don't know if he can play in 2019. So if this is the top selection I get in this draft class, 
I, I, I would rather have a guy who's going to be a part of it. This team has high, high aspirations. I mean, we, division winner, perhaps a bye week, hosting a playoff game, minimum. These are things that are on the table for the Cleveland Browns. If I'm taking a player at 49, I want to make sure that he's at least going to be a part of it. And look, everybody, oh, well, he could get injured in camp. Yes, he could, but he's not already injured. That's And that's yeah, where I'm no at versus, it. You know, the risk but, versus has happened. Yes. And he's just sitting around and, you know, I mean, it, it, no, I, I, I want somebody out there because there are needs. I mean, safety, we've told you. You can never have a much cor- enough corners. If one of these pass rushers falls and it, for some reason is available at 49, and John says, I don't give a crap, I'm taking him because he can get after the quarterback, that's fine. I, I'd rather select a guy who I, I know has a shot to play in 2019 because Simmons' shot to play in 2019 is slim. Maybe should be none. zero. Should be none. If, if, if it's in me. The best interest of the player is he does not play this year. Well, I, I think it's also in the interest of the team. Uh, if you're taking him, you should be saying that this is about 2020, 2021, and 2022. The, those three years of that window, you're saying we're going to have this guy full strength. Um, it, again, it just comes down to 300-something pounds on a knee uh, that you know it will not be as, as good as it should be in terms of where it is in recovery. Uh, he may be thinking about it, maybe favoring it, maybe whatever – in addition to the fact he will not have practiced enough and all those things. So you have to look at it, or at least I think you should, in terms of if you're taking Jeffrey Simmons at 49, fine. Um, Let's get past all the issues, but let's be honest and say the best thing for the Cleveland Browns and the best thing for Jeffrey Simmons is he does not play down and you say goodbye to him until, uh, you know, mini camps the following year off-season activities or whatever put him on ir as soon as possible uh find another guy to you know plug in uh you know as soon as he's eligible you put him on injured reserve he's not counting against your roster or anything else and you're basically saying look we are moving on not you know not ir with a can come back just injured reserve put him away let him do, you know, focus entirely on what's best for him, getting better at developing, learning the playbook, all those things, and then uh, go from there. Yeah, I, look, I would just rather have, I would rather have the opportunity for this guy, whoever it is at forty nine, to be a part of the contribution of twenty nine. No question, no question. And now this carries over to the last question we'll go to here, uh, G, uh, Giovanni Ruiz, and nice, we're going with more and more of the Italian names. Um, he's been. Uh, Giovanni's been good. He's uh, actually been a good guy. A lot of you know, good convo, a little uh, good Twitter back and forth. Um, and this uh, parlays well into the Jeffrey Simmons talk. The deep tackle market, Pete, there's still some guys available. And it's now almost like where these guys get a little nervous as the draft gets closer and closer. Like, look, just find me something. Uh, even if it's one year, I mean, and especially, I mean, these guys with the possibility and the strong possibility to lock out after 20, and you see players and you see agents saying, stock your money away. The free agent de-tackle market, there's still some names there. You know, one year, three three mil, one year, four mil. You obviously, incentive-laden type stuff. Give us a couple names. Uh, so, you know, the Browns can take the shot and grab and Dominican Sue and we can roll this thing. No, I mean, look, first, a lot of this – uh, yes, I absolutely agree. Players do get nervous. Um, and if you have a good agent, this is where a good agent is really important. 
uh, to basically, you know, calm you keep down. the player calm. Because, <laughs> you know, the best play may ultimately not be till signing after the draft. Um, that could very well happen. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton's got a really good agent. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's patient. That Having said that, I, you know, I still maintain that Danny Shelton would absolutely be great for this team in terms of getting a true, true run plugger that costs nothing and gives you I, – I, I see the exact same or – Similar career arc for Dexter Lawrence, who people ask me, should the Browns take him in the second round? You can sign Danny Shelton and basically get what I would think would be the same impact. But the other guy... Without a steroid with, test in his background. The other guy... Yes, that is... <laughs> yeah. The other guy that, that comes back, and I mentioned him initially with free agency, and he's still sitting there, which is Rodney Gunter, uh, who played played with, with Wilkes uh, in Arizona, had a very good season. Um, you know, he is a guy who I think warrants a pretty decent contract, but, you know, because of the fact he hasn't been signed, maybe you can get him for a year or two and a half million. Um, and I think he would be outstanding depth as a three technique. Um, would obviously, you know, the system he's coming into, coming off his best year as a pro, he's young. He, this is his, it would be his first year off his rookie deal. Um, so, you know, 2.5 million is nothing to sneeze at when you, you're coming off a rookie deal as like a, I think it was a fifth round, fourth round pick uh, when he came out. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy who really warrants probably closer to a three-year, $12 million deal type thing. But because of the, the, the market and where things are, he may be a guy who's sitting there and you can grab him for a year. Uh, and that may be, you know, something that gets revisited after the draft. But the thing is, I think if you're the Browns, uh, you would rather or whoever wants to sign him, you probably want to get him before time, beforehand. So, because I think at that point, the player at some point is going to be like, "I'll wait for the draft," because if somebody doesn't get what they need, I've got a little bit more leverage uh, to get a little bit more money out of him, which not great would not be the ideal situation for the Browns. But yeah, if you know if they're sitting there and they can add him, I think the defensive. Line, I, I think it'd be a very unheralded signing of a guy who would really come in and uh, help the Browns right now. Uh, while they hopefully keep drafting and getting a, another guy or two comfortable in the rotation. Yeah, and but then there's always the the guy who's just an oddball. And I go back to Jonathan Hankins last year, Pete. Sign him, sign him, sign him. The draft came. There were still no defensive tackles. Sign him, sign him, sign him. And I don't think he got signed until maybe July, August, whatever. And I know he's, he's going to be back with the Raiders for a second year. Um, you know, it's it, look. There's guys available, and you know, I'm sure there's been some contact. I, I'm sure. I don't think John Dorsey thinks he's done at the defensive tackle position. Um, you know, maybe it's not a Jeffrey Simmons. Maybe there's somebody else. And look, John keeps his cards close to the vest, which is good. Uh, you don't want your draft information all over there for the world to know. Um, that's how the New York Giants get screwed over in a couple of drafts, and or the fact that. Uh, Laramie Tunsil's name is waiting to be drafted on draft night, and somebody drops a video of him, you know, <laughs> gas masking and bong rip, and so, <laughs> which you know makes all of this just fun. It, it, that, that provides laughs through this process because how nobody knew that existed, and whoever the guy was that just dropped it, it's just his former agent or the guy he thought was going to be his agent, whatever. Oh, well, he had that whole connection with his 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 mom's boyfriend. And, yeah, very, and, very weird. Yeah, there was some nonsense, BS, shenanigans, bullshit going on over there. Um, guys, that will put a wrap on this. We'll get you, I'll get you something out tomorrow. Uh, actually, 
Obviously, it's a good day for me tomorrow. The wife and the girls, they're going to NYC. Apparently, some makeup thing. Apparently, maybe Cardi B is going to be there. If anybody knows what that name is. I think she sings, perhaps. Um, as far as Chad Thomas and his tweets, guys, I, I don't understand how any of this is football-related. I think he's claiming that somebody stole a, a music beat from him. And he's got a screenshot. I don't know if any of you Brown fans care about the fact that Chad Thomas makes music. I'd rather that Chad Thomas care more about playing football. That's just an odd one, Pete. I have no idea what to make of this. Uh, so to this point, I'm saying it's nothing until it's something. And I'm uh, – and, which is – Eerily, oddly enough, how I would talk anything, Chad Thomas. He's nothing until he's something. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, if you actually, that's you actually defended him, if this was the actual part of it, but I don't think Browns fans give a crap about the fact that he's in he's in music. We'd like to see well, a better football player. But, you know, I, I'm never going to be a guy who who rips guys for having outside interests. Uh, you know, Joe Thomas. Certainly had has his share had his share of outside interest. Miles Garrett is into all kinds of shit that has nothing to do with football. I don't care if you can you know if you can do those things and still if be a great player. If you're getting your job A done, nobody cares yes. what you're doing with your job B. Um, so, but but that's the thing is like if in the case of Chad Thomas, um, because he's awful uh, at football, uh, genuinely awful, that you know that's an easy thing to now go to and say, well, it's because he does this and. Maybe that's true. Maybe he's more interested in that than football, and there's a legitimate case to be made there. But if, if the issue is he made something and somebody stole it, uh, then more power to him. Go get what's yours and, and get you know pro- proper due, proper payment, whatever. Uh, that should have no bearing on your ability to prepare for the season and be a productive football player. Um, the, the only issue is Chad Thomas has never been a productive football player, so that's going to be the challenge for him. I, I but I, to, like I said, to me, it's it's first, it's really hard to understand what that dude's saying, uh, even when he types it out. It's I need Google Translate, but um, yeah, if if that's what it is, you know, it's go get your money. Uh, you know, it, you made it, it's yours, grab it, um, and and he should be compensated for it if if it's something else and there's some other story we don't know about I, like initially when i see that type of stuff like i feel like it's going to be some like photo of him doing something illegal or something you know drugs whatever um or you know even something more benign like him and it, him and another team's you know colors or something like wearing a steelers hat or something whatever uh but no the issue for me is chad thomas is awful that's the issue he's awful at football not that he's good bad or otherwise at music uh so, you know, at, at least at this point, we're in a holding pattern of, I don't know what the hell this is. Yeah, well, for me also, there was, in one of the tweets, there was the, I almost lost my scholarship. Well, if you almost lost your scholarship and they were paying you to be a student athlete to go to school every day and play football, and you almost lost that because of your outside interest, that does... It'll bring up what was you know, what was a concern for me is you know is football not the most important thing to you and look there's been guys and Jamie Collins comes to mind who's made a boatload of money in this game and how did he end up out in New England because you know there were times where he said well football is not the most important thing in the world to me it doesn't have to be 
But like I said, you've got to do everything that's asked of you. And Miles Garrett and Joe Thomas did that and spades and still you know, found ways to do other things, which is fine. But it, it does make you wonder about, you know, is, is football a way for him to say that Chad Thomas, former NFL player, is foray, you know, foraying into music? Look, I mean, th- there's stuff there, I guess, part of a Rick Ross song, whatever. I'm talking about names I don't even know. And apparently this incident might be with Meek Mill, and there's a screenshot, and he doesn't want to show. I don't think Browns fans, it's great that you, whatever, that's fantastic. We want you to be, you know, Browns fans would care more if you had eight to ten sacks a year. Or if you even suited up for eight to ten games, Browns fans would care more. And yeah, that's that's step one. That would be the key. Yeah, let's, I mean, exactly. Let's let's crawl before we can walk on this one. But And you know, like Pete said, uh, you, you read some of these tweets and uh, you have no idea actually what in the hell they do. If, so, if, if he comes out and he has a great year and makes music, then the, oh, the, the issues, the, the transition goes from – well, he didn't really care about football to, you know, he likes music more to he's great at football. Now can he make something for, you know, the Cleveland Browns that they can use or whatever? You know, can he, can he you know, legitimately make something that they can go out, out, of, out of the tunnel for, out of, into the practice field for, whatever, and it becomes – so that's where outside interests to me are, are stupid. Like holding that against them is stupid. It's the same deal. Like Miles Garrett right now is like – big into his dog and doing stuff like that he's great so all these things are are oh well he's such a well-rounded individual he, he's a great football player and he does all these other things when you're not a bad football player and you do anything else it's like oh this guy's not interested in football so it's a double-edged sword i you know when, when something happens we'll, we'll uh we'll see if, if, if i if i change my view at this point but right now it's he's nothing that needs to prove he's something uh this is nothing until it proves it's something yeah, and I'll tell you what, you know, Chad Thomas, we'll, we'll, we'll drop this for you. Go out and get it done on the football field and whatever album you want to drop. And I'm sure Pete and I, I don't know how much either one of us would enjoy it, um, but i tell you what, you, you do you, you do a boatload on the football field, we'll buy the damn album. Um, and I guess we'll close on that one, guys. Uh, NFL Spin Zone, obviously all Pete's work over there. Follow him at, uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore the Lockdown Browns Twitter account. We always keep that a follow-back account. I appreciate you guys. We're getting closer to that 5K. Let's hit that sucker before the draft. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, I appreciate you guys here. Like I said, we'll keep working. You guys want to keep listening. I mean, the, the, the listens just keep coming, the downloads. So we're going to keep putting stuff out here for you. Um, we'll find a way to keep, you know, bring in some fun stuff here over these next few weeks because at, at this point, there's not much new information other than visits and stuff like that. But we'll find ways to keep it new, keep it interesting, you know, keep you guys involved here as we get closer and closer to April. We've been talking about, you know, how we're going to cover the draft, some stuff we're going to do with that. We got some ideas here, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep workshop, workshopping them. But um, there'll be draft coverage. Don't worry about that. We'll, you know, we'll get you guys some good stuff here, and we'll go through that. I mean, the first round could be a little different. could just be us, you know, ripping picks, you know, laughing at picks, saying, damn it, wow, that guy went too early. Obviously, the heavily monitor Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, all that stuff. Um, obviously, common opponents as well. Um, that'll be coming up in the 2019 season throughout the draft process. Um, I appreciate you guys, and always keep those uh, your iTunes uh, ratings and reviews coming. It means a lot to the show. It helps with the growth here as you know, we, we get bigger and bigger and more Browns fans get more excited about everything and keep looking forward to content. Um, they seem to like the daily because uh, it seems to be doing well in that aspect. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns.